0: This is the You Can Learn Chinese Podcast. For everyone who's trying to learn Chinese or reaching for the next level, you came to the right place. I am your host, Jared Turner, co-founder of the Mandarin Companion Graded Reader Series. I've definitely got a cold today. And if at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. My co-host is John Pasden, co-founder of Mandarin Companion, founder of Allset Learning, the Chinese Grammar Wiki, Sinosplice.com, and He ordered the book, How to Run an Internet Scam, online three months ago, and it still has not arrived. Let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Jared Turner joining you here from the United States with a bit of a groggy voice this morning.
1: Hi there, people. My name is John Pasden. I am in Shanghai, China. How's it going? When I first got on,
0: you you were like, Jared, why are you talking like that?
1: No, you were doing like a late-night DJ voice, like trying to sound all smooth and...
0: This is Jared Turner.
1: Relaxing or...
0: We're from the You Can Learn Chinese
1: podcast. Even sexy? I don't know. It was weird, man. How
0: are you doing tonight, John? I'll take groggy over that. Anyway, let's talk about You Can Learn Chinese. We have some sad news. So the You Can Learn Chinese podcast is part of the Seneca Podcast Network, which is part of the China Project, and sadly, they are closing down.
1: Yeah, we've been part of their podcast team for, I don't know, has, has it been like two years? It's been quite a while. Some of our guests came through that network. It's just a great group of people. They're trying to do great things for, for the relationship between the U.S. and China. And so it's, it's sad that that project is closing down.
0: And specifically, we got to give a shout out to Kaiser, Kaiser Guo. Because I mean, yeah, they're a great group of people, but really Kaiser has been the guy that we've worked with there at the China Project. He edits our podcast. You know, he puts his heart and soul into this, and so he's really sad about this as well. That they're no longer going to be editing our podcast. Well, he's not going to be editing our podcast anymore, and that we're no longer part of that network because it's all kind of closing down. It's really sad.
1: So heartfelt thank you to Kaiser for all the work and the support. We're you know we're sorry about the China Project.
0: Yes, indeed, indeed. But I will say that this has got John and I thinking a little bit more about this podcast. We've been doing this podcast now for, we're coming up on five years. Can you believe it, John? I think I can believe it. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. You know, we've been thinking through this and we're, we've been kind of asking the questions like, hey, you know, what should this podcast be? I mean, should we even continue doing it? John, this is right. This this is some of the things that we've been discussing. Saying, "Hey, uh, if we keep this going, what should be the format?" Because I don't know. I think at this stage we're kind of thinking that maybe we need to try something a little different.
1: Yeah, the podcast has been great, but like one of the questions I've had uh, over the years is, like, does it need to be an hour? Like, it's cool that we have an interview and a discussion on every episode, but is that the way that people like to listen to podcasts? Like, does it have to have all these different segments and part of an hour long show? I'm I'm kind of curious about that.
0: So we would really love to have your feedback because we are right now playing around with a lot of different ideas. And some of this might even include saying, hey, maybe we have a shorter podcast that's more frequent. Uh, We could focus on interviews. Uh, We could focus as well on just having maybe some Chinese language content practice. Um, And there's a lot of different ways we could do this podcast. Yeah, one of the
1: things I like about this podcast, and I'm I'm glad that it's worked out so well over these years, is that we're able to think of topics that are pretty relevant to most levels of Chinese learners. Like occasionally you'll have an episode that is obviously aimed at beginners, but like a lot of the stuff we talk about in various ways is is relevant to all levels. So um, that's been really cool. But, you know, if we were to focus on specific content, then it would be harder to do
0: that. Definitely. And we did get one piece of feedback from uh, our WeChat group. And if someone had made an insightful comment that, People kind of graduate out of the podcast after maybe a couple of years or after hitting certain levels. So we do want to make sure that we're uh, maybe reaching people in a wider way. And we would love to keep doing this. Um, and so we would really like to have any of your feedback. If you have any comments for us, you can definitely reach out to us.
1: So at this point, I think the easiest way to reach us is feedback at mandarincompanion.com. Send us an email and we will
0: definitely read it with great interest. So you can definitely reach us at feedback at mannercompanion.com. We'll also have a, a feedback form on our website, where, uh, and we'll put a link to that. So if that's a little easier for some people, you can just kind of click, fill things out there, and it'll shoot us an email. And, hey, also, if you've got some actual audio comments you want to make, you want to record something and send it to us, you can email that to us as well. Uh, we might actually play it on the podcast.
1: Yeah, we don't have, like, a voicemail that we use or anything like that. But, you know, it's so easy to just record a voice memo on your phone and then just send it an email. We'd love to get that, too. We could even play it on the podcast.
0: So we really look forward to hearing from you guys. We want to hear from uh, all of our listeners feedback for the future of this podcast because, hey, we're doing it for you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And on that note, John, we do have a listener review that I thought was pretty cool, and I want to share this. So this comes from Aberlaw. I guess, uh, from the United States. His comments is never too old to learn. He says, Hi guys, here I am in Beijing again, this time winding up a month here and just finishing listening to episode 125, your interview with David Landis. He mentioned age and learning a language. I started learning Chinese when I was 68 and I'm still going strong at 76. So it's all going to depend on the person. I stumbled on your podcast because I'm limited to what I can reach here. I wasn't sure going in how it would be because I've been listening to Chinese language podcasts, but it's been absolutely refreshing. And every podcast is a learning experience. Jiao, well, awesome! That is so cool. I love hearing the stories stories like uh, guys like you. I you know I, I tell people I started learning Chinese when I was thirty, and some people are like, oh, that's so old, right? But hey, man, sixty eight, and you're going strong at seventy six. That's super cool. Yeah, I got to say there's a huge range for
1: that, right? Like I remember when my mom uh, made an effort to learn Chinese in her 70s and didn't quite go so well. Can't say she's made a lot of progress, (laughs) but I'm glad that some people can do it. It's all about the attitude, right?
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Okay, this next one is from a French email address. Not so good at French, but the name is something like Sir Leon. That's my guess. A-K-Lion. As an American, I would say... You lion? Or, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Speaking American there. Anyway, not trying to mangle your name. Yeah, we will uh, answer your question. And the question is... I have a question for you guys. I can now do silent reading pretty easily on all the books you have, and I believe I have quite okay reading speed in terms of character recognition. I can read all level 2 books and the first time around know the meaning of nearly all words and characters and what the phrase means, but I can't sound out the words easily. I can't read aloud. For context, I am a heritage learner. I can speak much more easily using simple words of my own and understand what other people say to me, but I can't read aloud. I have problems connecting the written character to its corresponding sound. Yesterday, I tried to read aloud a page from the last book in Level 2, Sherlock Holmes, and it's really difficult, although I can understand perfectly everything on first read and know exactly what each character, word, sentence means. Do you have any suggestions to help tackle the issue, please? All right, so this is something that I've, I have have worked with over the years a bit and something that I've done a bit myself. And so what I'd like to do first is just confirm that reading aloud in Chinese is pretty hard. Like, um, if you can read this level and it's about the highest level you can read comfortably that doesn't mean that you should definitely be able to read it aloud comfortably. Reading aloud, you should expect it to be difficult. I mean, if it's not difficult for you, great. But in my experience, and for most of the people I've worked with, it is quite challenging. So I would say it's worth doing. Um, Some people really hate it, like I myself kinda hate it. But if you can do it, it really can be helpful. But you probably wanna start with a text that is lower than your reading level so that it's just not quite so painful.
0: Oh, that, that's a really good point, John. Um, I, I, one question that comes to mind, I, I don't imagine that this is uh, the challenge this person's facing, but uh, are, how are you reading out loud in French or English? If that's hard for you, then there are, there's a lot of research that shows that skills that you have in your native language do bleed over into the second language you're studying. So if you're, having, if you're not good at reading out loud in your own native language, you're probably not going to do do very well in reading out loud in the second language. But I, I'm imagining that this is probably not the situation for this individual.
1: Yeah, the reason that reading aloud is so hard, and especially in Chinese it's so hard, is that you have to read ahead a little bit so that you're ready to say the word you know, with the right timing, with the right feeling. And then if you're not sure about the tones and you're trying to get that straight in your mind before you say it, you're just doing so much at the same time. So that's why starting at a lower level Like in this case, even though he can read level two, I wouldn't think it's a bad idea to start with breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Just much simpler words, simpler characters, just make
0: it easier on yourself and then slowly build up the speed just like you did with reading silently. And I think it's also remembering that when you are reading in Chinese, there are a number of extra things that are going on that you don't have to deal with in a language like English or French. You're trying to remember the pronunciation, trying to make sure you get the tone. Then there's the tone pair aspect. And then an uh, under-recognized challenge in Chinese is also parsing that language. And those all take mental brain power uh, until it becomes really automatic, which happens once you get very familiar with the language. So yeah, John, I think the way you were framing it earlier, uh, just that it's hard to read out loud. And I think Chinese... Definitely, with those other aspects thrown in, it should help us to understand why that is.
1: Yeah, and if, like, when you're speaking Chinese um, at, you know, a fairly elementary level, if you're sometimes having trouble recalling the tones of the words, you know, or the correct pronunciation, and you're choosing the words, and you're using sentence patterns that you're very familiar with, then, of course, when you have to read these words that you're not so familiar with, and these sentence patterns that are not of your choosing... Sentences that are a bit longer than you might normally construct yourself. Of course, it's going to be harder, right? So when you think about it that way, it only makes sense. And you just got to put in more effort if you really want to be able to do it. And yes, it can be helpful. And yes, some people hate it. But, um, you know, you have to decide that for yourself.
0: Okay, and we have another listener question from Adam Ryan. It looks like he's from the UK. He says, hey, I want to express my appreciation for the Manor Companion books. I'm at the breakthrough level. It's great to have such comprehensive and comprehensible material at this level. It's a real game changer. The main reason for my message is that I'm wondering how and how the progression works within the series. So I'm a newcomer at stage with 150 characters, and the next stage is 300 characters. And once I've read the newcomer titles, the breakthrough titles, can I just skip to level one, or do they, the books themselves create a bridge between the different levels? How do I know which characters I should be studying to progress to the next level? Any thoughts would be most welcome. Once again, thanks for your efforts and contributions to the vast terrain of language learning in Mandarin. Adam. Well, Adam, hey, this is great. We do have listeners uh, and readers. We get emails like this once in a while. The way I like to describe it is a Venn diagram. So Venn diagrams they have like overlap. So if you have breakthrough, that's 150 characters. That's a circle. Level 1 encompasses all of the breakthrough characters plus an additional 150 characters. Uh, and then level two is, has 450 characters, the same thing. It encompasses all of level one.
1: Hold on a second, Jared. I believe you're describing a
0: circle within another circle. Yes, I know. So it's, Which it's... is not actually a Venn diagram. Okay, you're right. But, I mean, technically, yeah, it's a Venn diagram. It's just maybe not uh, uh, super. Look
1: up Venn diagram.
0: Okay, fine. I'm corrected. <laughs> Thanks, John. Sorry, I just had to be pedantic.
1: <laughs> all right, but, yeah, the 150 characters of Breakthrough entirely fit within level
0: one. So by studying Breakthrough, you are working
1: towards Level 1.
0: Now, we do have keywords in the Breakthrough level, and those words, as you read through the books, help you create a bit more of that bridge into the Level 1 standard. And the same thing with Level 1 into Level 2. It's not perfect in the sense, but if you want to start like figuring out what characters to study, we do have character lists and word lists for each book on the website, and you can download those, and you can start, hey... You can make flashcards out of it or whatever.
1: Right. So what Jared's referring to is that like each level has kind of its core characters and from those characters, you have like a core vocabulary, but each story is going to need special keywords for that story. But then we try to make those keywords build towards the next level and each book, because the story is different, the keywords are different. So it's going to be building towards the next level in a different way.
0: But you know, the more different stories you read, the more you're building towards the next level. So ultimately, no, there is not a natural progression of the stories within a level, like saying, oh, you need to read this story first, that second, third, fourth, fifth. No, there's not. Just read whatever story you want, and when you feel like you're comfortable in that level, you know, go ahead and try level one. If you're not there, then maybe you want to look at the word lists or keep go back and read a little bit more. So yeah, that's how you do it. And we have heard from readers that have read all five breakthrough
1: books and then gone on to level one. We know it's doable, but, you know, everybody's a little different.
0: So go out there, get it done. You can do it. Okay, John, we're going to wrap up today with rants and raves. What do you have for us today? Do you have a rant or do you have a rave? I have a rave,
1: Jared. I have a weird rave. But aren't they always? So this one is about China International Import Expo that's going on in Shanghai right now as we record in mid to early November. Have you heard of this, Jared? I have. It's it's out in Hongqiao, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and so the reason I like it is because it's an import expo, right? Mm. Like China is known for its exports, but this is an import expo. So what is China importing from the world? And the reason I like this is because this is a reason for foreigners to come to china because you know with covid politics and a bunch of other things going on it seems like there's a lot of reasons to not come to china to not do business with china and so it's just nice to see something like this like i have a new client at Allset learning he came to china just for the expo and then he also did chinese lessons with us while he was here so that was cool you know it's just great to see stuff like this it's great to see china still making connections with the rest of the world and remember, despite everything else going on, you can still be part of the connections between China and the rest of the world because I think the world still needs that. Now more than ever. More than ever, absolutely. Oh, and just in case anyone's wondering, the Chinese name is Hui, and the uh, the short way of saying it is 金博会. That's the uh, China International Import Expo. Okay, so enough out of me. Jared, do you have a negative Nelly
0: rant or a rave? I have a rave. Uh, this was pretty cool. I came across this uh, the other week. It's something labeled China's most inconvenient convenience store. This is a convenience store about 400 feet off the ground, so about a, just over 100 meters off the ground on a sheer rock cliff. With climbers are going up and down this this cliff area, and it's they have this little convenience store that sells water and snacks and stuff. (laughs) So it's gone around social media in China saying, "Yeah, this is the world's most inconvenient convenience store." Uh, And specifically, it's in this uh, place called uh, Shenyoujie Scenic Area. It's in Hunan. The pictures are pretty hilarious, in my opinion. I, I thought this was this was great. But yeah, the idea is that the people are going up climbing up and down this, and it's like they got these metal things bolted into you know the the rock wall cliff and everyone's got harnesses and ropes and everything but it's it's almost like a huge ladder if you will just climbing up this cliff and so it's kind of a halfway point people can get a drink or a snack and i did read one one uh, person who was climbing there said well maybe the world's most inconvenient store for inconvenient convenience store for most people but for us on the rock wall it's uh, pretty dang convenient (laughs) That
1: makes sense. I I was thinking your your rave is apparently about inconvenience, but it's about convenience within inconvenience. Got it. It's about conveniently inconvenienced
0: convenience. convenience. All right. I guess uh, convenience is all a matter of perspective, right? Depends on where you are. It may be convenient for you but not for me. <laughs> You have been listening to the You Can Learn Chinese Podcast. Help us spread the word by sharing this with your friends, classmates, teachers, cousins, journalists, diplomat, commentator, news anchor, cameraman, and the one gal named Judy. For this unique special episode, reach out to us at feedback at our feedback form on our website at mannercompanion.com. or find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and yes, even TikTok. Apologies to John Cena, we just ran out of time, and apologies to everyone else, I've still got a cold. You can learn Chinese podcast is produced and edited by myself, Jared Turner. Of course, thanks to my co-host, the man, the myth, legend, John Paston. See you next time.